What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future free state of Greater Idaho. I am the one R madman, and with me tonight is the great Nolan5150. What's up, brother? How are we doing? Doing pretty good. Oh, oh, we got a little cat shirt going on, huh? Are you a are you advertising that you are a pussy? <laughs> I'm down. I'm down with that pussy. Down for? <laughs> I was telling Walty uh, before we started recording uh, yesterday, I was like, yeah, I want to be able to fucking put together like a, a recording studio where I can just like flip on and flip off and be able to do YouTube videos like he's doing. And I go, you know, I, I'm thinking about building the studio in my room. I go, I don't know how that would go over with a chick the first time I bring a fucking chick over. <laughs> like. You know, hopefully she'll want to turn the camera around. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to get that behind the door. And then that's something you you introduce her to, like, you know, maybe date six or seven. Just be like, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, I'm a fucking crazy person on the Internet. <laughs> to nobody, by the way. I'm doing this for nothing. <laughs> Well, hopefully it won't be for nothing for forever. But yeah. I'm hoping that this freaking I'm hoping that this moto cast is going to help cuz I know so much about moto. Like I don't have to prepare at all. I can just yeah. watch the races, turn it on and fucking go. And I like I've been saying since the beginning of this podcast, I think there's a sweet spot somewhere between motocross fans and libertarian politics and we got to find that spot and expand it. So I'm hoping that like Hey, we'll do these shows. I'm going to label them different so you don't have to like know that it's kind of the Joe Rogan things. If you don't want to listen to MMA, you don't have to. Here's the disclaimer. Yeah. If you're only here for MMA, here's the disclaimer so you can go to that. So I'm hoping that that will, you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of people started listening to Rogan for MMA and then just continued listening to every episode or vice versa, you know weren't into MMA and then started listening to Rogan and all of a sudden they're buying all the fucking UFC fights. Yeah. <laughs> so good work. Both there's ways. a sweet spot. We're going to find yeah. it or we're not. <laughs> there's always that. Option. And we'll just keep screaming until we figure and until we figure it's done until we go on until I go on. If like, I'm hoping that Sam will have me on again uh, until we like go and test the waters there. We're not really going to know. Because we haven't done a lot to advertise ourselves at this point. Yeah. I've considered like buying advertising spots on other podcasts, but I'd like to try and go on Sam's show again first. And I'm hoping that like, again, the Moto Show is going to help with that yeah. because I'm doing something different. I'm grinding. We're doing, you know, multiple podcasts. We're trying to hit people who aren't paying attention to politics and get them to, you know, learn a little bit about the world around them. Because for me, I know as a motocross fan, I didn't give a shit. I was out to lunch. We thought we were fucking George Bush fans <laughs> when we were 18 and 19. How, you know, like that's how out of it we were. Like these guy who would easily throw us in prison for the rest of our lives. Uh -huh. He was our guy. We actually had this massive campaign sign hung up in our house in Southern California just to piss people off essentially, because we didn't know anything about Bush Cheney. We just knew that it pissed people off <laughs> yeah. and that was what we were looking to do. And I've continued that. I had an Ammon Bundy sign in my, in my driveway all through the entire election. I'm not voting for Ammon Bundy. I do think he would be a better governor than we've got now. But the real reason I had it out there is because it pissed people off. And that's what I like to do. Same thing with the black flag. Piss it. Yes. Fuck you. Yeah. That's what it means. Yep. I think that's the best definition I could ever come up with for the black flag. It means fuck you. 100% drop. <laughs> so do you uh All right, do, let's do, do you remember the uh the story behind the Bush Cheney sign? Yeah, dude, we went and stole it in my pickup. Allegedly. And you had to like lay on Alleged. top of it Alleged. because Yeah, yeah, right, cuz that's government property yeah, possibly. Right. But we allegedly knew somebody who stole a big sign, <laughs> yeah. and it started flapping up and down while we were on the freeway. So somebody with a long beard who looks like a Viking and has a pussy on his shirt had to climb into the back of the pickup and lay down on the fucking thing. <laughs> Did I get that right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that is correct. My, my memory's not terrible. <laughs> right on. Pre-accident, pre dude, I'll fucking lay it out there for you. Post-accident, 
I've got a, I've got an interview coming up with disability sometime this week that I've been told the date I don't know how many times, and I just I don't know. I don't fucking know. It just doesn't work anymore. All right. Anyways, uh, I considered like calling you up last week, early week, because we didn't do a podcast last week, and asking if we could do an emergency podcast about Maui. Uh, for people who don't know, I lived on Maui for a couple years. I've got family and friends there still. And I kind of just wanted to, I, I'd been hearing things um, right away. I heard some some truly awful things that, unfortunately, at this point, I cannot say on this podcast. It's so horrible and so damaging to the people around them that I just... If this happened in Detroit or Boise or fucking Billings, it wouldn't make a difference. There's so many people there. Nobody would have any idea who we're talking about, and it just wouldn't make a big deal. Lahaina, especially in Maui, is a really small, really tight community, and everybody <laughs> knows that this happened. And it's I think it's up to them if they want it to be public or not. It's not up to me. So that being said... Um, we got a lot of shit right away that was just really pissing me off. Um, you know, I was opening up, they were listing death count right away at six. And, you know, I knew it was higher than that because I knew people who knew that many people missing. And yeah. at that point, they weren't very hopeful that they were going to be found. Um, it had been 12 hours. Cell phone service was back working again you know, emergency services kind of caught up a little bit. So at that point, it was like, if we were going to hear from them, it was probably going to happen already. So we knew the death count was going to go way up. Um, right away, we got climate change. Right away. Within hours, climate change, climate change, climate change. So I'm going to, real quick, I'm going to start up my freaking iPad here, and we'll just look at a couple of these headlines, and then we'll go back in and... um Look at this. Oh, I didn't put it on this part of the iPad. Let's go over here to the news. Let's go to the news. All right. So here's some of the stories that I just bookmarked. Um, Hawaii Governor Josh Green says very real global warming caused conditions of deadly wildfire. Wildfire. Here's a different one. I'm just going to keep reading through these Alex Jones style. Uh, unprecedented fire expert says climate change and native vegetation changes fueled explosive man-made fire or whatever the thing is. So it's your fault. It's people's fault. People are evil. They've changed the island. Whatever they've done, it's evil. It's causing global warming. Hawaii wildfire, climate change, and highly flammable grass behind devastation on Maui. Wildfires are exploding in unprecedented places due to climate change. Is Hawaii the future? Uh, nowhere is immune. Maui devastating fires that have killed at least six and see, that's how early it is, uh, is climate change. They're calling climate change back when it was six still. We're up over 100 now. This was the first day that it hit in the news. These are the first stories. Here's another one five days ago. Miles wildfire, Maui's wildfire has a climate link. Let's see. Uh, here's more. Development, tourism, and climate change. How humans made... Uh, Maui's catastrophic wildfire. Again, people are the problem. Climate change. How dangerous climate conditions fueled Maui's devastating wildfires. Maui's wildfire has a climate link. It's climate change causing the world's wildfires. How colonialism contributed to the Maui wildfires. That's actually not too terribly far off from the truth. Um, we'll get into that one a little bit later. But here's some other ones um, that I couldn't save. Why climate change can't be blamed entirely for Maui's wildfire. That's nine hours ago. So that should give you some foreshadowing and kind of the things that we are <laughs> going to cover here yeah. today. News outlets went all in on Maui's coverage, but they missed a key part of the story. Again, uh, Maui fires, not due to just climate change. So again, now we're starting to get it. All right, so let's go back and read a little, like dig a little bit into it. Let's hear what they were saying on democracy now. So this is Amy Goodman. Oh, the her. fires in Hawaii. It killed at least 100 people and likely far more. Were I'm Amy Goodman. I actually died in the fire and I am a zombie coming to you from MSNBC. 
made worse by the climate crisis, which has led to a rise in temperatures at the same time Hawaii is facing a drought. This was amplified by Hurricane this is Dora yesterday, Tuesday, by the way, when it passed yesterday. south of Hawaii, hundreds of miles away, as a Category 4 storm quickly spread the fire. Climate change is also linked to stronger hurricanes. Last week, the scientist stronger hurricanes. Michael Mann wrote on social media, what we're seeing in Maui is a compound climate catastrophe. Climate we're an catastrophe. Factor, in this case, unusually strong winds from the outer bands from a hurricane. of a passing hurricane interact with background state extreme drought that has been in place for a month. Michael Mann. First off, it's a fucking class four hurricane. Hurricanes are classified by their fucking wind speed. You cannot have an abnormally high wind speed for a class four hurricane. It's just how fast a class four hurricane blows. Yeah. Um, one, one thing too, that I find interesting, um, she mentioned, uh, drought and, um, and then talking about a hurricane, the two things that come to mind to me in a hurricane is wind and rain. Well, this was and, offshore, so yeah. they weren't getting any of the rain bands from it. They were just te technically getting the wind. And, um, and, and then— and, The drought is something that's an issue, yeah. but as we'll learn later on throughout these videos and some of the articles that we're going to bring up, this is something that should have been expected. So let's continue. Joins us now, the so, presidential distinguished professor and director of the Penn Center for Science, Sustainability, and Media at the University of Pennsylvania. His upcoming book is Our Fragile Moment, How Lessons from Earth's Past Can Help Us Survive the Climate Crisis. Welcome back to Democracy Now!, Professor Mann. All right. So we're going to bring on Michael Mann, noted climate catastrophist from the School of Climate Change, where he is the head of the climate change school. <laughs> so this guy's not going to be biased at all. Right. Right. And, and, and like he's going to call he's going to call balls and strikes on this uh -huh, for sure. Uh-huh. And 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 they say uh um we can we'll learn from our past and how how accurate you know what past are they talking about? Are yeah, they talking about the, exactly, the exactly. manipulate past, or are they talking about like the actual facts? That that always exactly. makes uh, you say that, and then I'm yeah. just like red flag. Yeah. All right. Let's hear this asshole. If you can start off by um, making that link, as many say, no, this is about just, weather. Can you it's make it for us? The climate crisis. Uh, Tell us how bad it is. Yeah, thanks, Amy. It's good to be with you, although it seems we never have good news to talk about. And uh, the stories that, you know, we, we've heard reported here uh, are just uh, so harrowing. And this is the climate crisis. It's here and now. It's here and now. It's today in profound ways. And, and this is what, uh, you know, just the latest example. And there is clearly a climate component to what's happening oh. here, a climate change component. So now it's a component. They were laying it pretty heavy for a component, don't you think? Yeah. Like they were saying it was a whole I wheel. Mean, let's let's just, try and make a, a let's try and make a Yeah, I was just going to say let's make a motorcycle analogy <laughs> yeah. here. Very good, dude. You read my fucking mind. Component. Uh those winds that you talked about um are governed by differences in pressure, in surface pressure. Uh, a hurricane is a low pressure system. In the subtropics, you have high pressures. And the difference between them, the pay attention to gradient, the landscape in, in the pressure video. between the high and the low is what determines the strength of those winds. And so we have higher and higher pressure over time in this region of the world associated with the changing atmospheric circulation associated with climate That's change. The harbor where everybody high to the north, ago, they were just we showing had Bubba a Gumps. storm, a rapidly intensifying beaches. storm, and climate change uh, encourages rapid intensification of these storms that gave us that low pressure to the south. That difference in pressure gave us those huge winds, and it interacted with an epic drought. Um, and that drought is part of the climate story here as well, as we see. All right. So he just described how a hurricane works, yeah. how pressure systems work. So this is kind of like um, just him spewing gobbledygook. Like, here, I'm going to fucking explain to you how 
how a weather system works and make it scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm going like to say You could just read that and... in any science book. This is how wind happens. Yeah. High pressure, low pressure, you know, uh, cool, warm air rises, cool air rushes in to take its place. You get wind. That's all he just did right there. He just did this whole song and dance about her, about how a hurricane works. But it's a freaking hurricane, man. You're in the South Pacific. They happen. More and more high pressure in the summer over this region of the planet. Uh, we see less rainfall. Less uh, rainfall, temperatures he says. mean more evaporation of what soil moisture there is. And so we see this epic drought. Uh, the epic. winds uh, did sort of provide yeah. the spark. It's epic sense. now. Uh, the downed power lines provided the spark. Oh, but so now we get power lines. these fires to spread so quickly, uh, to become so damaging, was in substantial part the huge amount of fuel there was in the form of dry materials, the tinderbox conditions uh, that are, are, you know, are, are there today. All of those things have been impacted by climate change. So we can't tell this story without talking about the climate crisis. You just can't tell it without talking about the climate Cause, crisis. Cause there's not, Isn't that great? There's not, uh, uh, you know, weather trends. There's not years of less rain than previous years. We're it's not, not just a natural and we're also not in the, And we're also not in the peak of a solar cycle that <laughs> produces hotter temperatures and, and larger storms right now. That it's going to end in a couple of years and it's going to start to get cold again. And then they'll start telling us, well, that's climate change. It's hot, then cold. You know, it's just, it's changing. It's like your thermostat. You know, the oil companies just dial it up and down. Yeah, you, you, you and if you don't have uh, an electric vehicle, you're a piece of shit and you should buy an electric vehicle. And then. All right. So he said, a he said, a okay, yeah, you're right. So he said a couple things here. He said more storms. Uh, they said 16% of the island is in a massive drought. The island is only 727 square miles. So 16% is 116 miles. So we're talking about a tiny sliver of a tiny island. And like I said, I lived here. What they're not telling you and what they're not really going to show you is that the west side of Maui is essentially a fucking desert. You saw those pictures I sent you. It's a terraformed desert. They brought in palm trees and grass and they irrigate for lawns, but essentially the place is a desert. Here, we're looking at pictures right now. You've got a green area near some water, near some houses, and then the entire, entire area all the way up to the mountains until you get into the rainforest is dry. They've got sagebrush out there. You get tumbleweeds in West Maui. Here's another one. You've got a subdivision that's nice and green. You've got dry hills. You've got dry flatlands. And as you get up to the top of the mountains, you get greenery. It's raining in those mountains all the time. But on the downslope of the island, all the way out to the beach, is fucking desert. They have fires all the time there. When I moved there, there was this big grass area where I ended up living after I got bounced out of every house that I rented that there was a massive fire there the year before I moved there. That place was such a problem for homeless people that um, like a, a homeless guy got tied up and sodomized on a tree and left there. I don't know what he did, but the whole fire just ripped through there before I got there. And then all the grass was grown back within a year. There was a couple areas where it was still, you know, being fixed up, but essentially it was right back again. Yeah. That's one of the. There's a couple more pictures. You can see the fire is in an area of just brush. It's not like this was a green, lush field that is all of a sudden brown this year. You know, here's up against the coastline, full on terraforming project. You've got lawns, you've got trees, you've got palm trees, you've got fruit trees. And then behind it, you've got red rock and dry grass all the way up to the mountains. So another thing he brought up in that video was the rainfall. Well, let's do the hurricanes first. More hurricanes. Oh, there's more hurricanes. So I went on chat GPT because it's so hard to find freaking stats on the internet. They make it impossible for you to look this shit up because they don't want you to know the truth. Yeah. They just make this shit impossible. So I asked it, 
how many class four or five hurricanes have appeared off the coast of Maui in the recent in recent history? And we've got number one, Hurricane Dot, 1959. Huh? Number two, Hurricane Iowa, 1982. Oh, and it also disclaimered that these, you know, were close. It doesn't mean they hit. Some near. of them did, some of them didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's near it. And you got 1959 to 1982. There's a massive gap. You know why I'm guessing that is? Because we didn't record these things very well back then. There were no satellites recording in the in the Pacific in the South Pacific. So there were probably tons of hurricanes off the coast of Hawaii that never got recorded. And now we come into the 80s and 90s and they start recording them better. We've got satellites. Hey, look, there's a hurricane out there that not one person on this planet is ever going to come into contact yeah. with. How many of those happened between 1959 and 1982? It's a very good question. And we've got one in 92, 94, 06, 09, 15, 16, 18. So you could say that they're getting more intense, but I mean, we're talking eight storms in 60 years. It's not like this is happening all the time. So this brings us even closer to what the fuck happened. They knew this was a possibility. They knew the storm was there. Let's see how much rain they've been getting. How dry is it, that, really? That's, that's, it's a, yeah, it's that's so I, dry. That's oh, my God. Have. It's so dry. It's so dry. So the average precipitation in Maui in August is 0.16. In July, it is 0.08. This week, or this month in July, they got 0.31 inches. So... More than three times the average. So what what happened? Where's this fucking drought you're telling epic. us about? What, it's where's the, the it's epic, epic drought? An epic drought. The place gets on average 0.16 inches of rain this time of year. That is nothing. That is desert. Why do you think I was able to live outside on Maui? <laughs> You think I was living out there in a monsoon every day? No, it hardly ever fucking rained. I only had to find a place to sleep in the rain a couple of times. And it was for like two days, and then the storm passes. They get nothing. It's a fucking desert. So what in the fuck happened? Let's keep going. What do we got next? Pictures. Here's the New York Times. No single cause has been determined, but experts said one possibility was active power lines that fell in the wind ignited the wildfire that ultimately consumed Lahaina. Brush fires were already burning. Okay, so here's where my 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 info gets in because I've got the real story on this. My uncle is a retired Maui fire department uh, fire fireman. He's active again right now because they need all hands on deck. He's got third degree burns on his hands and he's still active. He's calling phones and shit while he's in the hospital. The story is there was a brush fire the day before. I don't know how that brush fire started. It could have been power lines. It could have been a cigarette outside. I'm not exactly sure where it was. I haven't gotten that deep of a story, but there was a brush fire. The fire department went out. They took care of it. They called it 100% contained. Later on, the winds fire up. It starts spreading again. But at the same time, so that's what they're saying. This fire, it, it just came back alive and spread again. But my uncle tells me that the way that their house burned down was that a fire or that a, a power line fell behind his house and started a fire. So what the fuck were the power lines doing on? This was why I wanted to do an emergency <clears throat> podcast last week because right away... I went, what the fuck? Why was the power on? They knew there was a storm. They knew they had dry climate. They had a brush fire yesterday. Why the hell didn't they turn the power off on the entire west side of the island? They could have set up generators at schools and hospitals. The main hospital's not even on the west side of the island. It's in Kahului that didn't get hit at all. Maui only has just 
basic like basic service doctors. There's no ER there. You yeah. have to go to Kahului. There's there's nothing there. So it's not like they were doing it for emergency services. Um, all right. The fires on the island were stoked by a combination of low humidity and strong mountain winds. So here we got it again. It's, you know, climate change. Multiple law firms have begun filing lawsuits on behalf of fire victims, claiming that Hawaiian Electric, the state's largest utility and parent company of the power provider on Maui, is at fault for having power equipment that could not withstand heavy winds and keeping power lines electrified despite warnings of high winds. At a news conference on Monday, um, Shali Kimuru, a chief executive of Hawaiian Electric, said the company did not have a shutoff program and contended that cutting the power could have created problems for people using medical equipment that runs on electricity. She also said turning off the power would have required coordination with emergency workers. Holy shit. So we would have had to do extra work to cut off the power. <laughs> we would have had to be proactive and got people on medical advices to the school or to the hospital. My God, that would have been just impossible. How could we ever have done that on a tiny island where everybody knows each other? The chief yeah. of fire, I guarantee you, knows the head of the electric company because they go surfing together or they go kayaking together or their kids go to school together. These people know each other. This is bullshit. These people are lying. They had no fucking clue what to do. They just left it on. Well, we don't know what to do, so we're going to do nothing. And now we have the largest disaster in 100 years in this country. Think about that. On an island covered with hotel, the most beautiful place in this country, completely fucking destroyed. This is a historic town. You can't rebuild it. All these buildings were old. Everything was old. There was an old prison there for pirates. Like, this is a fucking tragedy. And you can... This is something I've been complaining about since the beginning of this show. Government enforced monopolies create major fucking issues with electricity. No competition leads to this bullshit. If there was another option, they would have had to go, what do we do? Because if we do the wrong thing, we are going to lose every customer we have forever. But instead, they kept it on. Was there financial incentives to keep it on? Absolutely. There always is. What uh what kind of <clears throat> what kind of um like tourists, you know, hotels and and tourist stuff was in that area? Historic ones. Yeah. Historic ones. Not the fucking Marriott. They didn't burn. None of the the big nice ones burned. The old ones. The Maui Lahaina Inn. The old Pioneer Inn. Like the Pioneer is so fucking old. It's over 100 years old. You can't rebuild it. And you know who's going to get screwed on this? The fucking natives. Because most of the houses that burned down were houses from the natives. The white people all have enough money to live up on the hill. The natives have owned these homes in downtown Lahaina. They've been in their families for hundreds of years. They, their entire families live in these homes together because they can't afford to live any other way. These people are going to get fucked. They are not going to have the resources to stay somewhere else while they build a new place. Big companies like BlackRock are going to come in and just buy up all this land and turn the fucking place into Disneyland. It's going to be just a nightmare. It's going to take 20 years to get this place back going. And, and you know... For someone like you who's never seen it before, the place where I lived, where I, you know, I don't even know how many miles I did on a skateboard in that town. How many? Yeah. But every place that I stepped foot in, and that the bar that I worked in, I should have worn my fucking Moose's shirt tonight, I forgot. The bar I worked in, gone. 
It's fucking gone. You know, COVID took it out. The business itself went gone. But the building, gone. You know, there's so many artists on that street who own their own little kiosk where they have tons of artwork destroyed. Imagine like for somebody who spent their entire life taking pictures on the island or painting on the island, have everything they've done destroyed. I was sleeping on Baby Beach one night, which got destroyed. And I woke up in the morning and there was an elephant seal laying next to me. And I just thought, you know, cool. Like that's pretty cool. A couple months later, I ran into an artist on the side of the beach who was painting. And I asked him what he was painting, what he did. And he said that he was into elephant seals, that he'd been, it wasn't elephants, monk seals, excuse me. I said elephants. It's a monk seal. He was into monk seals. And uh, he'd only seen a few of them the entire time he lived there. And I got to wake up next to one one morning. You can't do that anywhere else on earth. It just can't happen. You can't lay on the beach. And again, dude, Think about this. Every place in this country that has a homeless problem exports their homeless to Hawaii. When they have too many problems with them, they just buy them a ticket and send them out. There are hundreds and hundreds of homeless people in that area. How many of them are going to be found and identified? They're just uh, going to disappear yeah. from history. Yeah, yeah. Identi- identified? Like they never existed. Yeah, probably not. But- Nobody knows they're there. They don't have any family. Nobody knows they're there. Nobody knows they're gone. Nobody knows to look for them. Just erased from this planet. It's fucking tragic. I know I've said it a few times, but it's fucking tragic. How much time do we have? 30 minutes. Let's read a little bit of this article, and then uh, we'll go into a little bit of the history of Hawaii. (sighs) Um. see where do we want to start this Hawaiian Electric was aware that a power shutoff was an effective strategy document show but had not adopted it as part of its fire mitigation plans according to the company and two former power energy officials interviewed by the Washington Post nor in the face of predicted dangerous winds did it act on its own utility officials said fearing uncertain consequences (laughs) and who are those consequences from investors government officials people who allow these people to have a monopoly over the people that they are supposed to serve. The, de- the decision to avoid shutting off power is reflective of the utility's struggles to bolster its aging and vulnerable infrastructure against wildfires, said Jennifer Porter, who lives in Lahaina and was a member of the Hawaii Public Utilities Commission until just nine months ago. Why the fuck is not every pole on that island steel? Why is there one wooden pole on that island where wood cannot survive. Salt water and humidity destroys wood. Why the fuck haven't they put steel poles on that island? Why? Because it costs money. And, you know, they get enough of it. These people are told how much they can sell power for. Told. They don't, you know, and every other industry and every other portion of the free market buy or sellers do not set prices buyers set prices you can try and sell your bike for as much as you want if nobody's willing to buy it that's not the price in this situation they tell you what the price is and you cannot take your dollars elsewhere you either live off grid or you fucking deal with it yep there were no quote. There were no pro. Uh, there were not. God, they were not as proactive as they should have been. Porter said about the Hawaiian Electric's fire prevention planning, adding that there had not been any real meaningful action uh, to address some of those inadequacies in terms of wildfire. So they knew their infrastructure was aging and destroyed, and they didn't do anything about it. They just lectured you on climate change. And that brings us, you know, we should just have a segment on the show called Read Nick's Mail. <laughs> so I got another piece of mail this week. <clears throat> Let's read Nick's Mail. And we could, we could have a really nice, like, stinger for it. Read Nick's Mail. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to help. 
Here's how your home compares. Efficient home, 1,400 kilowatts per hour. Average home, 2,100 kilowatts per hour. Your home, 2,200 kilowatts per hour. So you use 57% uh, 57 more electricity than efficient 1,000 to 2,000 square foot single family homes in your community. This costs you an extra $70 a month. Hey, uh, this might be crazy for these people to hear, but I don't care. I am paying for comfort. It is 105 degrees outside. I have six people living in this house. Yeah, you pay your bill. No, Fuck com- you. no complaints. Fuck you. Look at my, let me, let me, uh, send you a black flag. I <laughs> do. Hey, hey, you, you should fucking send black flags to all your neighbors in your little neighborhood. If I could afford it, I would. If I had bought in Bitcoin five years ago or 10 years ago, I would absolutely do that. That would be fucking hilarious. Maybe I could get like little flags and stickers just put it on all their cars. Little stickers. Put yeah, them on all yeah, their yeah. mailboxes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? We were gonna. Co- I was gonna cover this last week, and, and we'll get back to this letter in a second. But dude, we had a fucking nasty homeowners association in Southern California. They cost you a car. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of remember how this went down, but essentially, you parked it in the wrong place for too many days while it was broke down. Oh no, 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 no! It wasn't broke down. No, it was just. Go ahead, it was, tell the story. It was just dilapidated. <laughs> Oh, it was just dilapidated. So anyways, yeah. they t- they had the fucking thing towed and they didn't tell you about it. Yeah. I had to So you hung out for a week I had to report thinking it, it to was the cops. stolen, yeah. dealing with car. Yeah, and they finally called you and said, Oh yeah, we've got it. They towed it. Yep. And by that time it cost you more to get it out of hawk than the fucking thing was worth. Yep. So you just had to leave it there and give it up. Yeah. Was- I should have known better than to move into a place with another homeowners association. I just didn't like I kind of thought like, yeah, we were assholes and we probably deserved it. But now thinking back on it, we didn't. Dude, uh, I do remember though, they used to stick those I don't know, dude. They used to stick those stickers to our door and our windows and shit and you had to scrape them off with with um like razor blades. Yeah. That shit pissed me off. I do remember that we got one of those stickers off clean. And we super glued it to the head of the HOA's door. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I don't that. remember that. But, uh, yeah, well, he deserved it. But absolutely. So there's, uh, I feel like there's a separation there because there's one thing to have like noise complaints and whatever for a resident, but it's another thing to fuck with those residents vehicles who are legally parked and my vehicle was legally parked. I was a legal resident of that community. And yeah. just because they deemed it an eyesore or whatever the case may be, whatever, you know, and it, it wasn't the prettiest because thing. It's a- it wasn't the prettiest, prettiest thing, but it got me from A to B got me to work. That's a nebulous term. It's like, stop resisting. I'm not resisting. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you're resisting more. <laughs> like, that's how the cops do it. Stop resisting. I'm not resisting as you're getting your ass kicked in there. Now you're resisting more. Fucking beat the shit out of you. That's never happened to me. Anyways. <laughs> then they go into earlier in the week. Oh, uh, that's right. I was going to finish reading my mail. So what do they tell me to do? Here's some steps you can do. Put in a ceiling fan. That'll save you $10 a month, which... Doesn't make any sense to me. Ceiling fans move around air. They don't cool anything down. Consider switching to Energy Star windows. Oh, no problem. I'll just drop fucking 30 grand on brand new windows. That'll save me $10 a month. How long will that take to pay itself off my entire fucking life? Discover Idaho Power's heating and cooling cash incentives. Oh, great. Let me put in a heat pump. That'll save me up to $3,000. When? How long is that going to take? Yeah. And remember, I had a plumber here a couple weeks ago, and I asked him about heat pumps, and he goes, oh, yeah, we don't even install those things anymore. We did a couple of them, and they're just a nightmare, and we get too many complaints, so we just stopped doing it. <laughs> that's great. So I'll just go buy one of those. You know, that'll that, I'll spend the money I got from workers' comp to, to, like, secure the rest of my life on new windows, not because I need new windows, but because I should be using new windows because of climate change. And then I'll put in a heat pump that doesn't work. 
That'll that's that's a great. I'm sure if I went to my financial planner and told him I was going to do that, he would say, "Good move." <laughs> yeah, solid, <laughs> solid uh, choice for your future. Yeah, solid. All right, I think we've gotten the picture. Government enforced monopolies, no competition equals bad energy service. Let's learn a little bit about the the history of Hawaii. I, I knew a little bit of this stuff, but um, <laughs> this is a pretty fucking good video. Let's watch. 1893, this local oh, wait. white... I forgot, I have to preface this one. So, um, in the late, 18, uh, 17, late 1700s, early 1800s, white people started moving to Hawaii. Uh, it was mostly British and Americans... Uh, they were missionaries. They were out there preaching the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and the natives liked them. They, they, they loved the Lord, and they were even flying their flags for a time, and you know everything was hunky-dory. And then they had kids, and their kids became fucking godless heathens and decided to open businesses, and they started buying up all the land and growing sugarcane. So that's where we're at. By 1893, this local white militia and their political allies were ready for a full-on takeover of the government, which at the time was headed by this woman, Queen Liliokolani. The sugar missionaries were still a minority, and a full-on overthrow of the government would have been hard by themselves. But luckily for them, they had help. America. The American ambassador of Hawaii at the time. Wait a minute. America's never instituted a coup in a foreign country? What are they talking about? <laughs> helped coordinate the arrival of an American military ship and troops to show up on the shores of the island of Oahu into the capital city of Honolulu. Up until this point, the conflict in Hawaii was technically internal, meaning it was between the locals and the white missionaries who were technically locals because they were born there. But the moment the U.S. arrived to Honolulu to provide military backup for a government overthrow, it became a full-on military coup sponsored by a foreign power. Which a cardinal never, sin in international done. relations. Oh. But even still, the government He's backed counting. the overthrow. The queen was forced to give up her power, and they put this guy as the leader of the new Republic of Hawaii. His name was Sanford Dole. His family was oh. huge in the sugar business. There's a new taste in pineapple from Dole. And now he was the leader of the country of Hawaii. The locals fought this, but peacefully. They pro Now Dole actually terraformed the island of Lanai. Interestingly, the island of Lanai was a complete desert. It's right across from West Maui. You can see it from Lahaina. And um, they did a bunch of science out there. I think it was the 1800s and found out that the island was about 200 feet too short to create its own rain. So they imported a bunch of cooked pines that got up over 200 feet tall. And now the island makes its own rain. Human terraforming. Wow tested. Nearly every adult on the islands signed a petition <laughs> a condemning the takeover. Back in Washington, D.C., a debate began as to what to do with Hawaii now that a bunch of pro-American missionaries turned sugar warriors had grabbed power. Dole himself traveled to D.C. to lobby for the U.S. to take over Hawaii for themselves. But so did a group of local Hawaiians to oppose the American encroachment. The queen who was overthrown wrote a letter demanding to be reinstated as the legitimate leader of the Kingdom of Hawaii. The United States was split on what to do until 1898, when the new president surrounded himself with leaders who kind of loved war and American expansion. And this is what sealed the fate. I am a product of American expansionism and, and war. My uncle, uh, great, great, whatever, was uh, Secretary of State William Seward, who went and bought Alaska. Hmm. You know, just a little bit of colonialism in the family. <laughs> Not a big deal. Of Hawaii. All of these displays of vehement, peaceful protests by the Hawaiian people were trampled on by a superpower who had bigger guns and an insatiable desire for control. So one summer day in 1898, the U.S. showed up and the flag of the Kingdom of Hawaii was taken down and the U.S. flag was raised. Hawaii was now officially a possession of the United States of America. With the help of these sugar-loving missionaries, these islands had been plucked from their people and put in the hands of a growing superpower. But stealing land is one thing. The real theft is what happened next. Okay. 
monsters. At this point, Hawaii was just a U.S. territory, not a state. But even still, the U.S. began a deep, widespread destruction of Hawaiian way of life. The Hawaiian language was banned in schools, and government and businesses were by law required to be conducted in English. The U.S. began developing land, often on sacred sites, and the history itself was censored to make it seem as if the Hawaiian people welcomed the U.S. without a fight. Much of the they've got like white dudes standing at the flagpole and. Hawaiian natives saluting for people who listening. Real history became inaccessible because it was only documented in the Hawaiian language, which was beginning to die. And then in 1959, Hawaii became the 50th state of the union and quickly became the place we know today. Yeah. Corporate America, McDonald's. Meanwhile, Dole Food Company. The company who was perhaps helped the most by this land grab has become a massive global corporation. By 1993, Hawaii was a full-on part of the United States. That year, President Bill Clinton came out with an apology. Yeah, we're sorry we stole your land, but we're gonna keep it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the the most disgusting part that I uh, early in that video it said uh, Hawaii was officially or. Uh, U.S. territory. Possess, or possession of the United States of America, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Which is a This would oxymoron. be a great opportunity. Uh, this would be a great opportunity to go, hey, you know what? We fucked up all those years ago. And we're against colonialism now because obviously, you know, the liberal industrial complex is, is fully against colonialism. So, you know, we could just go ahead. Joe Biden could go ahead and give the fucking country back to him. I think we should. Uh, I'm not quite as convinced on Alaska. I think we should probably keep that. Um, just because the culture is essentially American at this point. I, you don't have a lot of native culture up there. We could, we could give them parts of it for sure. Say here, you can have parts of this back. I mean, there's so much resources up there. It's not like we're going to be losing anything by giving a little of it back. But this is going to be... The fires, this is round two, man. They're coming in. We've already got, here's some of the biggest landowners on the island. Mick Fleetwood, um, who I, out of this list, he's the one I have the least fucking beef with because he had a nice restaurant in downtown Lahaina. He used to do a lot of concerts up on the roof. It was a really cool place. Seemed like he was really, like, ingrained in the culture and in the lifestyle. Like, I I think he was probably about as close to local as a white white man can get there there's a saying on the island you may live here but you're not local yeah and that's kind of essentially what it is you can get close you know my family's close to being locals but really they're not it's not their island this is going to be the next land grab we've got owen wilson oprah winfrey who's the biggest landowner on the island now i think except for possibly uh some sugarcane plantations did you say owen wilson uh yeah owen wilson uh Jeff Bezos, Steven Tyler, Clint Eastwood, and then Larry Ellison owns all of Lanai now. Like 98% of Lanai, he owns the entire fucking island. So these guys and more of them are going to come in. They're going to buy all this land up on the cheap, and they're going to turn it into Disneyland. Yeah. It's going to be a freaking disaster. It's sad. You know? Um, But again, like, you know, they could come out and say something. Let's let's go to Joe Biden. (laughs) Let's see what Joe Biden's got to say. No comment as he's smiling. That's our fucking president. The worst disaster in 100 years in this country. And he smiles and says, no comment. That's what we get. What about, there's another big, um, you know, famous person in this country who has a, a pretty big connection to Hawaii. Who is it? Uh, oh, that's right. Our ex-president, fucking Obama, who is from Hawaii. What What does he have to say on this? Well, it's tough to see some of the images coming out of Hawaii, a place that's so special to so many of us. Michelle and I are thinking of everyone who has lost a loved one or who has, has been turned upside down. If you'd like to help, you can do so here. 
Huh. Linked to a GoFundMe. That's it. Linked to a GoFundMe. And where's like, hey, me and Michelle are personally donating $1 million to the city of Lahaina today. Please try and match, you know, let's see if we can match these donations in the next hour and really give these people some help. But no. A couple days later, we got this. With temperatures breaking records around the world this summer, the problem with global warming can seem overwhelming. Here's a reminder that progress is still possible, and it's critical to vote for those who support bold action to advance a clean energy future. Wow. You get one tweet, and then it's right back to lectures about climate change. Yeah. One fucking tweet. You know who did have something to say? This guy. I would like to express my sympathy and warmest regards to the people of Hawaii, and specifically all of those who have been so gravely and irreparably hurt by the tragedy of the wildfires in Maui, something the likes of which have seldom been seen anywhere at any time. The death caused by this catastrophic event will be far worse than ever expected now that houses and cars and other areas are being inspected. The sad thing is, it should never have happened. Our government was not prepared. And very importantly, the aftermath is going very poorly with the governor of the island wanting to do nothing but blame it on global warming and other things that just happened to pop into his head. Hmm. When asked about it today, as he was getting into a car, perhaps coming home from the beach, where he has been spending a great deal of time. I love the dig. Crooked Joe Biden, the most incompetent president in the history of our country. That's possible. With a laugh and a smile, Possibly said true. he had no comment on the death and the tragedy. To say no comment Sick. is oftentimes fine, but to be smiling when you say it, especially against such a tragedy as this, is absolutely horrible and unacceptable. It is a disgraceful thing that Joe Biden refuses to help or comment on the tragedy in Maui, just as he refused to help or comment on the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, for a very, very long time. In any event, hopefully everyone will be able to pull together so that a horrible situation does not get even worse. To the families affected, I give you my love and sympathy. Nothing can ever replace your loved ones. But you will always have the memories and will feel their great love surrounding and embracing you. Together, we will continue to carry their legacy forward. And I love you all very much. Thank you. What a great, what a great video. I, I, it's no secret that I've been very fucking critical of a lot of things that Donald Trump does. But this is, I mean, he fucking nailed it, man. That's 100%. It seems sincere. Yeah. Can, do, do you not see why people love this guy? compared to Obama, who's just going to have some aid type out a fucking and Biden bullshit tweet. Yeah. The, that, Biden, that was not doing anything. That was the, he nailed it. That was the, yeah, he nailed it. That was the perfect he response. Uh, the only, you, you can, the only criticism I have of it, it was about five days too late. Uh, I would have liked it if he would have done it. Uh, I mean, we, I guess it's kind of fitting that he waited to, get more information kind of like we did you know we're waiting to get a little bit more information i would have liked it if it was five days sooner and he said hey we're still figuring stuff out but i think that same message could have been played five days ago um, unless he was unless he was in in the middle of an arraignment and and i don't and i don't that's obviously true (laughs) as well yeah Yeah, i mean But, uh, yeah, I, I would have liked it if it was earlier. But, again, like, dude, A+. Plus. Yeah. He fucking nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. That's exactly what you need to do. Exactly. I mean, good job, Donald Trump. This is why he's going to get reelected if everything, you know, is on the up and up. Dude's going to get reelected. Make no mistake about that. Oh, boy. Well, I was going to go into some other stuff, but this has went a little long. Why don't we end this on a, on a little bit of a happy note? Did you listen to uh, Richmond North of Richmond? What a fucking song. What did you think? Uh, I actually, I didn't listen to it. I, w- I was hoping oh. uh, I was hoping we were going to play it. 
and well, I guess we should. Fuck it. Um, well, uh, I was worried about the copyright shit on it, but you know what? Who gives a shit? All right, here we go. Well, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men north or rich men. Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the whole beast milk and welfare What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is All it is Living in the new world With an old soul These rich men know the rich men you do and then I don't think you know but I know that you do cause your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end cause the rich men north the rich men Selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. Fourteen point two million views in fucking seven days. Great fucking song. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I I dug the uh, gave me a real like. Um, Kind of like Willie Nelson, John Wayne-ish kind of combo country vibe. Yeah. It. Um, what's the other guy? Fuck, I just went and saw him. <laughs> Hank. You, you like oh, Hank. fuck yeah. Sounds a little bit like Hank. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Uh, you know, Richmond, North of Richmond, that's obviously Washington, D.C. Yeah. And, I mean, it's... All right, so let's... Um, Let's hear a little bit of the, God, this article just drove me nuts. Here's Rolling Stone. Right-wing influencers just found their favorite new country song. In Richmond for Richmond, a singing farmer in Virginia blasts high taxes and obese people on welfare and even appears to allude to Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, Hmm. oh my God. Fat people on welfare. This is Rolling Stone, dude. (laughs) Yeah, dude, this is Rolling Stone. They are supposed to be for the working class. I mean, this is the liberal elites music outlet. Like, they are supposed to be for the working man. That is a song for the every man in America. If you can't, like, understand why that was compelling to people, you're just gone. 
So let's read a little bit of this article. Uh, Right-wingers are losing their minds over a new country song that just appeared on streaming services, blah, 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 blah. Raw solo songs like uh, I've Got to Get Sober, blah, 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 blah. John Rich, here we go. A look at the lyrics, however, may suggest another reason why Rich Men of Richmond is so appealing to right-wing influencers. I guess that's us. Um, you know, I, I just said that we should give fucking Hawaii back to the natives, but I am obviously a right-wing influencer. Uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quote, Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the obese are milk and welfare. He sings, well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Yeah, I completely fucking agree. Why is it that we are fucking giving people money? Why is it that you can go and use your EBT card at every fast food restaurant in America? Yeah. You couldn't use it at any bar I've ever worked at in this country. No fucking way. But all these big corporations that have big tie-ins with the government all collect EBT. It's essentially just giving tax money to McDonald's. Yeah. Why don't we just cut them a check and then say, give out free food? Uh, they could probably make more money that way. <laughs> the real head turner though, is an apparent allusion to Jeffrey Epstein's Caribbean island where billionaire and convicted sex offender allegedly introduced underage girls to powerful associates. I'm pretty sure that's a fact So they're now, throwing... Right? Yeah, so they're throwing, like, cover to Jeffrey Epstein to throw shade on this ex-factory worker who is fed up with the way his country's being ran. That's a great look, Rolling Stone. Keep that one up. I'm sure your numbers are going to climb and climb and climb. Isn't that wild? They make it seem like nothing, there was nothing going on there. What? What's he alluding to? <laughs> I couldn't believe that. That drove me nuts. Um, Rolling Stone put out another article this week that said people are already don't care about... Um, Try that in a small town. And I, fuck that song. Straight up, fuck that song. Fuck that guy. I don't like Jason Aldean. He's not a real person. He's a fucking corporate creation. I can tell you right now why that song does not hold a candle to this one. And it's not going to have the same effect as this one. This is going to last. This guy's got a career now. I'll tell you exactly why. This is from Wikipedia. Try that in a small town. Try that in a small town is a song written by Kalani Lovelace, Neil Thrasher, Tolly Kennedy, and Kurt Allison and recorded by American country music singer Jason Aldean. He didn't write that fucking song. That song was created in a boardroom. They went, how can we get somebody to sing about BLM being bad in a way that we can create buzz without going too far. It was created. That's exactly was, how that song was created. It was created by AI. I went on a, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> these people were created by AI. I went on a whole tirade. They were playing the song at John's wedding and I went on a whole tirade about it. Like five people are standing around me. I went through that exact same rant and they were like, yeah, fuck this guy. That's bullshit. Where were you? And I, the other part of the rant is this is fucking you're you're two and a half years late, dude. Yeah. Where were you in 20 in the summer when it was happening? He didn't speak up against any of this shit. Where the fuck were you? This is like when Jon Stewart did his covid uh, lab leak joke on Colbert. Nobody gave a shit because it was too fucking late. Your moment has passed. All the people that were saying that, like myself early on, who wrote an article about this in early 2019, we all got demonized for it for two years, but by the time he got up there, it was okay. Fuck that. I don't, just because you're piling on does not mean you're one of the good guys. You are the fucking enemy. Jason Aldean, fuck you, man. Bleach. I'm, I keep telling myself I'm going to try to stop using the F word on this show so much because it's a, a sign Dude, of poor hey, vocabulary. I, well, hey, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, a, I know. I mean, it's, I, it, it, I you know, think it's a sign of poor vocabulary and it bugs me when I turn this on and go to a random place and I'm just, that's the only word I can come up with. Hey. This episode was a little hard to, like, this fucking 
pissed me off. <laughs> I yeah. this this Maui thing really got under my skin. Um you know, it, it was hard for me to keep it together at certain points in this podcast because I, I lost it pretty good hearing some of the stories that I heard early on. So I'm happy that I kept it together. I don't want to be some asshole who comes up and hey, starts hey, crying about, you hey, know, hey, shit that you heard. But brother, like this, I, I was a, feel, this one hit harm. I feel your passion about all this through you. Like you said, I've never yeah. even fucking been to Hawaii, but me and you have spent a lot of time together. I consider you a brother and shit that affects you affects me. Maybe not to the same degree, but yeah. I feel it. Yeah, and I appreciate that and I feel the same way. I always stand up. I've got a I've got a, a good rant. You'll have to listen to the first part of the Motocast next week because oh boy am I gonna rip into this fat slob Steve Mathis. On behalf of Walty and myself, but mostly Walty, I'm going to rip this guy a new a new one. And on that, we're fucking out of here. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel already. Do it. Just do it.